Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to your Monday Buckeye Talk. Google.com, Doug Lambert, State of the Bears, Stephen Means, Ohio State, if you guys don't know it. Buckeyes are in the playoff. So they're one of four teams with a chance to win the national championship. So that's still happening. And on the Tuesday pod, we're going to do our breakdown of the Ohio State defense versus the Georgia offense. We hope you listen to our Friday pod. Got up a little late but that was Ohio State offense versus Georgia defense. So we are breaking down the playoff because they're in the playoff. But the number one recruit, the number one quarterback in the class of 2024 decommitted from Ohio State over the weekend. That's Dylan Rayola. We are going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the future of the Ohio State quarterback position. We're going to talk about Ohio State recruiting in general because National Signing Day for the class of 2023 is on Wednesday. He is a year later, so this is not, you know, hey, you have four days to find a quarterback, right? You have a year and four days, so that's better than four days. But this is not great. Steven, how would you, were you shocked by the decommitment of Dylan Rayola, or were there little things that were happening that were perhaps indicating this might happen? A little bit, a little shocked. Uh, I... The main concept here is, oh, Nebraska's got some family ties. Well, they had family ties before he committed to Ohio State. Uh, his, well, his yeah, but, but, that, but everything changed with Nebraska. Like, we can't be dismissive of the Nebraska. I'm going to get there. Going okay. to get there. I wasn't. But like you said he had family ties before. It's like, well, he had family ties in a completely different way. I'm going to get there. Let me get there. Okay, recruiting expert, go ahead. Go be the recruiter. I was expert. trying to get there. You got to let me get there. You can't just cut me off in the middle of it when I'm trying to get there. All right, then talk. Now, then talk. As I was saying, I understand the family ties were there were there before the Matt Rule took over, and Matt Rule makes things interesting there. But Ohio State does have a more proven quarterback development thing there, and he has been so strong and so locked in with this class that I'm not going to say it came out of nowhere that Nebraska has seemingly built some momentum there, some momentum there. But it is a little bit shocking that it happened as quickly as it's happened with Matt Rule. And maybe it would take a little bit longer for Matt Rule to maybe show some things and maybe get a class going before he gets a sick, he may potentially gets a signature piece like this. So, but it's not like on this podcast we talked about or wrote about the fact that like Matt Rule got hired at Nebraska and that might put Dylan Rayola back on the market for them. They did retain his uncle, which was not a sure thing. His uncle was the offensive line coach under Scott Frost and he remains the offensive line coach under Matt Rule. That's a big deal. But it's not like we were warning people that this was like on, uh, like, hey, 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 watch Matt Rule, right? Hey, watch. It's going to really matter if his uncle is retained or not. That's a big factor. We were not acting like the changes at Nebraska would fundamentally change 
his view of where he wanted to go to college, right? And it a lot had to do with the school he was committed to. Ohio State's about to have his third straight first round quarterback, who's also a Heisman finalist. But also, I mean, four days before he made this decision, Ohio State landed the number one wide receiver who was the number two recruit in that class, Jeremiah Smith. So this seemed to be everything's going according to plan. You got your quarterback, or you want a, a guy of that talent that early because it could produce a guy like Jeremiah Smith and whoever else follows him down the road. Very similar to what we saw in 2021 with Kyle McCord, who was a five-star recruit. And we saw how that class played out as a number two class in the country. You're expecting that to be tenfold because it's a guy with a perfect rating who up until Saturday was the highest rated recruit ever. In Ohio State's history, even higher than what, what Quinn Ewers was, and so everything's rolling along the plan. So this, I, I don't. There's not a person in the, who is out there th- saying, to your point, oh yeah, see Matt Rule's got it rolling because he just pulled dealing with right over. Nobody thought that this was on the table quite yet, even if we thought Matt Rule could get something interesting happening with Nebraska. Now, if you want to tell me that, say this happens a year from now. And Matt Rule has clearly got some things clicking. He just needs the talent that goes with it. But he spent a year being in Dylan Rayola's ear telling him, hey, this is happening, this is happening. That would have made sense, but not this early on in Matt Rule's you know, hiring that you think that he would be able to pull something off like this. But we'll see if he can finish off the deal here, but it seems like he's on his way towards doing so. So the one thing is I, I saw some national recruiting guys say that, that Dylan Rayola's dad, Dominic, said that the fact that the uncle was retained by Matt Rule was not a part of this. Mm-hmm. So, and then, but Matt Rule also did the Undertaker GIF. So, he's been doing Matt a lot Rule of does the Undertaker. I mean, like, lately. you can say something. There's what people say, and then there's the Undertaker GIF. And it's like, what are you going to believe? I mean, the Undertaker GIF trumps everything, Nathan, right? If Matt Rule is the Nebraska coach, new, three weeks into the job, and a guy, whose dad played at Nebraska, whose uncle is just retained on the staff at Nebraska, decommits from Ohio State, and Matt Rule does the Undertaker GIF. It's like, okay, well, I mean, how do you, how does anyone compete with the Undertaker GIF? Well, the Undertaker GIF maybe wasn't specifically mentioned, had anything to do with the uncle either. It could just be, we have come back from the dead from where we were at potentially getting this guy, right? The, but, but it was after the decommitment. It wasn't. They didn't put up the Undertaker GIF when they said the uncle was staying. They put up the Undertaker GIF five seconds right. after Dylan Mayola decommitted. Right. But the uncle staying probably helped. I don't think it hurt. I don't think it hurt. Yeah, it I don't hurt. think it hurt. It, it's another line of communication with that family. I mean, it's another line of communication to the coaching staff. So I don't think it can, you can possibly say it hurt. This is starting to. I mean, not even starting to. It, it looks a lot like the Desan McCullough situation. Maybe not quite to the extreme where it's the actual dad who's on the coaching staff and you've got brothers who are trying to go there. But but similarly, that's what this looks like to me. A a situation where a the, the family ties might end up being the deciding factor here more than all of the other general uh, recruiting things that go into it. But as you say, Doug, you can't discount the fact that that wasn't happening with Scott Frost. In fact, it was kind of radioactive. They were kind of, that wasn't anybody who was talking about that then. And all of a sudden Matt Rule comes in and that makes this happen. For the record, yeah, it I might think- be that extreme because, I mean, his dad also did play there. Um, his brother, Dakota, is a up-and-coming quarterback. His first offer is from Nebraska. So there are, it's more than just, oh, my uncle works there. There's 
he's a Nebraska legacy kid who now to the point we're all getting at here, Matt rule being there puts all this on the table for a kid who was already a Nebraska legacy kid. You can discount the fact that he didn't commit there when Scott Frost was the head coach. Cause you can't commit to Nebraska when Scott Frost is the head coach. It's on top. It's on fire. So like, I think the fact that the first time around he didn't, that, that, that like that's zero to me, just like Quinn Ewers, committed to texas and then when texas was on fire he decommitted from texas and it's like that's his dream school but he can't go there when you're that good you can't go to your dream school if your dream school's on fire so it's like okay well that's off the radar for me it's it's too incompetent i can't trust them with my future and then the minute you're i don't know maybe dream school is not the right word for dylan rayola but your family connection, your legacy school, once they get a fire extinguisher, then you're back to square one, right? So I, I do think in the end, let me let me ask this, Stephen. The way that this is viewed, and we have texter answers. We have texter a survey to answer the question, how big of a deal do you think this is? And I'll ask you guys that specific question. But first of all, I think with every with every situation like this, when you fire a coach, you have to sort of see which coach you hire before you fully evaluate the move with this Steven where Dylan Rayola winds up how much does that affect the view of did Ohio State do something wrong here or did did something just happen that was out of Ohio State's control meaning if he winds up going to Nebraska where his uncle's an assistant and his dad played and then okay well what are you going to do versus if he winds up at USC because he decides he wants Lincoln Riley instead of Ryan Day versus if he winds up somewhere that's given him $10 million in NIL money and Ohio State can't do that. Where he winds up, how much does that matter for how Ohio State fans should view this move? It matters. Um, I don't, the NIL thing might not be a thing because he's a son of NFL player. So we'll see how that plays. We haven't seen that yet. But the USA thing would be interesting because Ohio State initially beat USC. And yes. then USC, and then Lincoln Riley added another Heisman Trophy winner to his catalog of Heisman Trophy winners. And there's been questions of what about CJ Stroud and like how good he has actually been as a Ohio State football player, at least amongst the fan base at this point. And so if you start to feel like if those are the two quarterback developers in college football and uh, the number one quarterback in the country who chose one developer, but then after another year of seeing the quarterbacks go through some things and you decide, eh, I was wrong about that one. I'm going to go with this one instead. That's you just outright losing a recruiting battle. That you thought you won, and USC stayed in the fight, and they didn't. And they didn't give up, and they have, uh, uh, eventually won that fight. Going to Nebraska, it's like, all right, what are you going to do? It's this is the only way a kid of this caliber ends up at Nebraska. They've had two five star recruits in the history of their program, so this is not normal that the number one player in the country wants to go there. So you can't. There's not much you can do about a kid who has this many specifics with a program choosing that program over yours because that's a heart overhead conversation and when you're dealing with teenagers heart is always going to win out i do think nathan in the end that was part of the quinn ewer situation right that it was the school he's from texas he originally commits to texas then he decommits and then he winds up going back to texas once steve sarkeesian is there and it feels like oh, okay now this is a place where i can i can go there and trust that my future won't be set on fire the minute i walk in the door so i think you can look at it, Nathan, and say, okay, well, this is twice where they've had the number one quarterback, number one player in a class who was going to be a Buckeye and then is not a Buckeye. Quinn Ewers at least got here for a year, but it's basically, Quinn Ewers was like a decommitment. Yeah. And you can look at that and say, eh, not great. 
But if it's Texas and Nebraska and it's them sort of both of them winding up back where maybe they should have been from the get go. I don't know. I don't know if you like what's the word. Would you excuse it? Would you be like or at least it makes sense and it would have happened twice that Ohio State just wound up losing a guy back to his dream school. Yeah, I mean, this is not going to be a consolation probably to Ohio State fans, but the reverse of this is a thing that happens a lot too. You get players like Dewan Jones that are ready to go to someplace in state and then Ohio State swoops in and takes them. And that's maybe a more extreme example, but like this sort of thing happens in reverse too. And, but I also think that you're right, that if you have to, if if you go back and, and do the kind of imaginary time machine thing, and say, well, if Matt Rule had been here at Nebraska two years ago, would they have ever gotten a commitment from Dylan Raiola? I mean, that's essentially what you're asking, right? Like if there had been, or whoever, if there had been a more competent situation at Nebraska, would Ohio State have had the commitment already from Dylan Raiola? I think that's the, the fair way to ask that question. But I don't know that it necessarily makes this sting any less because you did have this great quarterback recruit and couldn't keep him. I don't think Ohio State getting Dewan Jones away from think Indiana I'm, is the comparison here. I think the comparison here might be like a Garrett, Garrett Wilson or Donovan Jackson, where it's like those two kids are from Columbus. They just happen to live in Texas. So it explains why. they didn't why. commit to Texas. Yeah. Right? No. I mean, I get it. I get we're losing recruiting battles. But, I mean, when you have a guy in the house since, one May, and then he decommits, mm-hmm. right? I mean, we had, I mean, everybody, yeah. Connections matter. Geography matters. Ohio State goes after kids in other states who have Ohio connections. We all know that. But um, I don't know. what What is the closest equivalent of the opposite way where Ohio State – I mean, I guess like Jordan Hancock, like they flipped the top 100 guy from Clemson, right? Not that that was geographic yeah. or necessarily connections, but it's not like Ohio State never flips good players. Dewan Jones is not – I was just saying that as an example comparison of – For the number one quarterback. Fair enough. Yes. So, like, Jordan Hancock, what's another one, Stephen? Who are – like, Devin Brown was actually, like, committed to USC, Devin, right? But yeah. then that kind of got all goofy. It was like he was committed to USC, but then they hired Lincoln Riley, and it was like Caleb Williams is coming. He's like, okay, well, I'm not going to go. Yeah, I th- well, the most, Williams, so. the most recent one, Calvin Simpson, had the top 100 cornerback in this 2023 class. That's about the sign. He was committed to Texas Tech, and then Ohio State got involved, and it was like, well, Ohio State's a better program. I'm going there, which is even more interesting because he's from Texas. So you're taking him away further away from home to come play for a better program. So that's the that and Jordan Hancock and Devin Brown have the most recent flips as of late. Ohio State hasn't been in the flipping game as Texas much as Tech kind of stinks though. Yeah, uh, that, so the, Ohio State, Texas Tech guys. Yeah, the, the, the closest thing really where you're talking about they flipped the kid from a fully healthy program at the time is probably Jordan Hancock because it was Clemson. Even Devin Brown, it's, yeah. they fired their head coach that he committed to. So you can't even – of course someone was going to go flip Devin Brown. So on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being this is a disaster for Ohio State. This is devastating. 1 being oh, Ohio State's fine. Well, they're fine. Stuff happens. Where would you rate this decommitment, Nathan? Scale of 1 to 10. 10 is, 10 is oh, my God. 1 is all good. Well, considering what they already have – I'm sure we'll get into all this in detail. I'll, I'll say like a, I'll say a six. Stephen, what would you be? Five. Oh, 
know. You guys just because just because of the context of it. I, I get the, the only reason it's pushed up that, that high is because of what his rating is. But the context about what this means for Ohio State, it's probably not that high. What do you mean the the the, the thing that matters is how high his rating is? It's like, yeah, of course he's the number one recruit. We thought he was the future of Ohio State football. We thought Dylan Rayola. We talked. Here's one thing: we can't talk about. We thought Ryan Day beat Lincoln Riley for this guy. Watch out, world. Lincoln Riley went to L.A., and Ryan Day is sitting in Columbus, the L.A. of the Midwest, and doing his thing. Boom, shakalaka. This is a defining – that's how I viewed it. So we can't go crazy when they get a guy, and then they lose a guy and be like, eh, it's fine. I think. So the the texters are right in between you guys. We have a six and a five. The texters are five and a half. So it's like slightly, slightly toward devastating as opposed to it's all fine. The idea that it's a year out certainly matters. They will get another quarterback. But one, this guy was the future of the Ohio State quarterback room. Two, did it not affect how they recruited 2023 quarterbacks? Because it was like, oh, we got Dylan Royola in 2024, yeah. so we'll get like a backup in 2023. And everybody in 2023 was like, well, I'm not going there. So I get jumped by Dylan Rayola. So now we're done with the 23 cycle. They get this Washington flip, who we'll talk about, late in the cycle. And now they don't have the 24 guy who scared the 23 guys away and also affected how they viewed things. But no, I didn't care about their 2023 quarterback recruiting because like it doesn't matter. Because it's either going to be Kyle McCord or Devin Brown and then it's going to go straight to Dylan Rayola. The guy in 2023 is not going to start. So who cares who it is? And now it's like, well, who's their 2024 quarterback? We have no idea. Now, it probably will be somebody pretty good. But, Stephen, th- did this not affect the broader context of how they went about the quarterback position in these two classes? Yes. It's, it's just, some of the problem is we were here. A year and a half ago, calling somebody the future of Ohio State's quarterback room, and they're not here anymore. But yes, I did two and a half a year a year ago before the Quinn Ewers debacle. The idea here was swing big in twenty two, swing big in twenty four, and twenty three is where they go try to get their quote unquote Mac Jones type dude. Where the message is: Listen, you're gonna have to take the long road to the field. Maybe it works out for you. Maybe it doesn't. But just be patient with the development because there are some dudes in front of you. And the easy transition here was going to be Kyle McCord is a starter in 23. Uh, Quinn Ewers is a starter for two years. And then the 2024 guy takes over from that. But then also once the Quinn Ewers thing happened, it changed to Kyle McCord is a starter in 2023. Devin Brown's a starter in 2024. And then second year in the program, first year starter Dylan Rayola takes over in 2025. And now both of those plans have just been exploded because Dylan Rayola decided to decommit as well. So yes, the, I think that's part. I think that's the whole part of it that props it up, though. Is decided he was the future. He was supposed to be the next multi-year starting quarterback here for Ohio State. And so, and I'm, I'm not. I don't want to take away from that. But back to as you said, it's a year out. But then also, Ohio State's just been here for really a lot of the last decade of the plan. The guy who was supposed to be the guy never ends up being the guy, and it doesn't matter because who ends up starting here is a Heisman Trophy winner, a uh, Heisman Trophy finalist anyway. So the fact that they replaced Quinn Ewers with Devin Brown was a huge deal because yeah. it's quite possible that Devin Brown's going to be really good. So if they replace Dylan Rayola with a quarterback the caliber 
of Devin Brown, then, you know, I th- it, they'll be okay. But it's just hard to sit here and know that for sure. Because Devin Brown's like a borderline five-star guy. But, I mean, Devin Brown is like, Devin Brown's no Lincoln Kineholtz. No offense to Lincoln Kineholtz. Like, De- Devin Brown's like a real dude. And also, they had Kyle McCord sitting there, right? They had like another five-star mm-hmm. who was only one one class ahead of the Quinn Ewers, Devin Brown spot. And it's like, okay, well, that guy's sitting there. So, you just saw, so now, like, the 23 guy, the guy one year ahead of the 24 guy, is not Kyle McCord. No offense to anybody, but they're, they're not. And they went through three different versions of the backup, right? They wanted that one guy who went to Baylor, and then they got the guy from Auburn, then they didn't want him anymore, now they got the guy from Washington. So I think the context here, you can assume or hope that they'll they'll fill the Dylan Rayola spot as well as they filled the Quinn Ewer spot, Nathan. And this is the hard thing with Ohio State recruiting. It's like, well, are you guaranteed that they're going to get a guy that good? And it's like, well, you can't be guaranteed. And then most of the time it's like, no, they did. They're Ohio State. What are you talking about? It's fine. But until it happens, Nathan, I'm going to be more than a five and a half. I'm going to be like an eight. And I will back off when I see who the 2024 quarterback is. But if the 2024 quarterback is not Devin Brown level, I might be a nine. So just so ever, like, you know, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a little, I, I love our smart, educated, dedicated, loyal tech subscribers. I'm a little surprised they weren't a little more worried about this, Nathan. Five and a half is very calm to me for losing the number one quarterback recruit in the country that had formed your view of the last two years of quarterback recruiting. So uh, first of all, I just want to say that I'm keeping a tally. That's the first two, no offense to Lincoln Keimholtz that we'll say of, of many. Yeah. Like, I'm going to make a little mark on That'll the wall. That'll be his nickname. We're two in. <laughs> Lincoln, no offense, Keimholtz. <laughs> so we're two in. We'll see how, we'll see how big that wheelbarrow, how full that wheelbarrow gets over the next However, until he transfers, um, I was when I hesitated on my score, I was between a six and a seven. And the only thing that pushed me down was time. But also, again, the idea that it's you got to find someone for 2024. You don't need someone until whatever year like those things did factor in. But I think you're right, Doug, that it this also at the same time. When you start projecting out five years of Ohio State football future, don't you reduce the chance that Ohio State wins a national championship in that gap because they're not going to have this quarterback as opposed to the ones that they are getting and the ones that they could still get now that are going to be a step down from the one that just got away? Um, So, yeah, even if you're saying it's like, you know, quote unquote, not their fault, like one of those things that just sometimes happens in recruiting, that doesn't mean that you aren't worse off for it having happened. And especially when you factor in just, uh, even though even though it is early in this stage, it's incredibly late in the 2023 stage, which had already kind of taken care of itself. There wasn't much you could do there. Steven, who's on the board for 24? Like, where do, where do they go now in 2024, which becomes a very important quarterback recruiting year? And by the way, the caveat of the portal might solve everything, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like every recruiting conversation from now until the end of time is like, I don't know, maybe it's just the portal solves it. Who knows? But still, the way Ohio State's gone about it, you want that to be your backup plan, not your primary plan. They're not they're not going to become the kind of school where it's like, we'll just get somebody else's starter because Ohio State should be getting primary guys. So anyway, who now in 24? Yeah, it's 
kind of open. I mean, obviously quarterback recruiting is always weird because sometimes kids recruit 18 months before signing day, you know, the way like Dylan Raiola did. Outside of Dylan Raiola, there's three other five-star recruits in the class right now. The only one who's still uncommitted is Jaden Davis. The name sounds familiar. It's because that was the first dude who was supposed to be the 2024 guy, but they just like Dylan better. Jaden Davis has had some Michigan momentum for a little bit. We'll see if they get back in that race or not, or if this is a situation that's similar to J.J. McCarthy, where Ohio State chose one guy and the guy they didn't choose got mad and then decided to go, whether it's Ari this time again or somebody else, and goes and says, I'm going to go to Michigan because I'm going to beat Ohio us. State. And all that stuff. I would, have yeah. it be us this time. Let's go. Yeah. Let's go talk to everybody who might be mad and see what they say. Let's put that. Who should we go talk to? The people who <laughs> might be mad. Because guess what? When you're mad, you say interesting stuff. That is true. There's also eight guys in the top 103 uh, in the nation right now for quarterbacks. So this is a pretty deep quarterback class. It's a little bit back to the drawing board and see where they can come up with. I would assume that Ohio State would expand its net in a way that they hadn't just been for the last you know six or seven months here. So I'd expect that net to get wide, but also. In the name of Lincoln Keenholz, Devin Brown, C.J. Stroud, Dwayne Haskins, the dude who just isn't on the board right now because he hasn't had that summer of I'm about to creep up the rankings and be a top 100 recruit and nobody knows who I am yet. And that's where Ohio State has had to live for basically since 2016 is, you know, this happened, and so they had to go back out in the drawing board. But in those situations, they only had six months. So thank the heavens that C.J. Stroud went to you know Dallas for the Elite 11 and, and blew it up, or Devin Brown spent his senior year going crazy, or Lincoln Kinghost came out of nowhere, and he was only committed to Washington and not committed to Alabama or somewhere else like that. And so that situation, it was almost like it felt like time was ticking. That's not the case this year, so maybe – they find the C.J. Stroud or Lincoln Keenholz or Dwayne Haskins in March instead of finding him in August. Yeah, and they've done it as you said. So, and it's been okay. It's been good. It's been much. It's been much much better than okay. It's been very yeah. very good with sort of like it as you wrote. I think for Sunday morning, Stephen, that's sort of like with the Plan B guys. That and yeah. Plan B is not is not Plan B talent wise. It's just Plan B recruiting strategy. Yeah. And you make choices in recruiting, and then you wind up going somewhere else. And also the, the reality is almost any quarterback in 20, 2024 who is committed somewhere else right now might come back on the board now that Ohio State's mm-hmm. looking again. So even anybody who's like, you know, whatever guys, it's like, well, you know, now if Ohio State shows interests in, in that guy, may, maybe their eyes would be open to that. So, okay, quick break. When we come back more from the texters. What do they think about this? What do they think about Ohio State recruiting? What do they think about the future of the quarterback room next on Buckeye Talk? We're back. You guys can join us as a text subscriber, 614-350-3315. You send a text to that number, and then you'll get a text back, and you can sign up that way. I have had people ask about gifting it. So the issue is like when there's two ways to sign up. We always do that because that's on your phone. Like you're on your phone, and you do that, and you get that back. You can also go to um, joinsubtext.com slash Buckeye Talk, which is harder to remember than a number. Joinsubtext.com slash Buckeye Talk. And you can sign up there like on a computer and you put in a phone number there, right? You can put it in like someone else's phone number. But the bottom line, I think it's hard to give. This is not a good answer on this. I think it's hard to give as a secret gift because at some point, 
the the number that's going in there that is going to get texts to that number, like we have to get confirmation like from that number. You know what I mean? Like well, you have to, or, or right? It's yeah, it's, just it's, wait and, it's not like a surprise gift. But just wait and send the text on Christmas Day, or whenever. Yeah, you're, you're sitting it. around if you're if you're sitting around with somebody, yeah, grab their phone and and say, "I just signed you up for the Buckeye Talk texts." So we're sorry. I don't know. We should probably have a better way to give gifts. I don't know. Probably a better way to do a million different things. But we're doing the best we can. So that is the plan. Um, and we uh, we that's. I think the best we can suggest. So yeah, you just, you can't maybe sneak up on somebody and do it. Okay. Next text or question I asked was, how does the Dylan Rayola news affect your overall view of Ohio State football? This is like not recruiting, but the program. The options are, it's huge. I was worried about Ohio State anyway, and now I'm almost freaking out. Or it's bad news, but it doesn't change how I feel about the program overall. Or... Recruiting is crazy. Stuff happens. OSU is in the playoff. The Buckeyes are good to go, right? Nathan, what do you think? You know, it's as usual. This is a, sometimes we give three answers. Sometimes we give four. This is three. Which answer do you think was the most popular? Well, I, I think the middle answer was the most popular. But if I had to guess, I would say the more concern, the urgent, the more concern poll, the North Pole, if you will, is greater than the, the South Pole where people aren't that worried about it. Which is what often we, we, we zero in on, right? The middle right. often wins, but which extreme wins? So, Stephen, which ex- the middle did win. Stephen, which extreme do you think won? The I'm freaking out or they're, they're in the playoff, it's all good? For starters, I don't really think there's a middle answer because I think depending on how you actually viewed this program before this happened, it might have just enhanced your already thinking um, – the, the sky is falling or you think things are okay. But I think recruiting is crazy. Stuff happens. OSU is in the playoff is what won in this situation because of okay, this. So the position. middle was 54%. It was three to one. Because, what do you mean? Because of this position, that like, because quarterback recruiting is crazy. Because, yeah. Because quarterback recruiting is crazy. And I, I think people aren't as worried about Ohio state's ability to recruit quarterbacks as they would have been. If like Dylan Rayola was a perfectly rated offensive tackle or something. That's interesting because, like, I know what you're saying, but also, like, it's the most important position. So while yeah. I, you would have more faith in their ability to get a plan B that works, it's also like, well, I don't know. We spent yeah. six months comparing this guy to Patrick Mahomes. Like, what? what yeah. What could make you freak out more than losing the next Patrick Mahomes? Yeah. Program also, I mean, Ohio State fans wins two Heisman's. Ohio State fans used to not worry about ever beating Michigan either, and that's kind of gone out. Like, I don't think that, they're looking uh, for new. They're not looking for new things to have their their faith uh, threatened in. It's not, it's, it's, it's more about what I'm saying. Yes. We're comparing them to Patrick Mahomes, but if we had, they had a left tackle, say they had a Paris Johnson in this class, but he was like a national Paris Johnson and he decommitted. I think the breakout would be bigger because past history has shown that they yeah. cannot recruit left offensive tackles at their left or cornerback or linebacker or any of these positions where it's been a struggle as of recently, you probably freak out because you think, here we go again. While with quarterback, I understand – I am not at all devaluing the type of player. I've seen this kid throw in person. He is everything they say he is. But also, Ohio State ability to recruit quarterbacks hasn't been an issue. So it probably simmers you down a little bit in a way that if it was any other position like running back or tackle or – Probably quarterback and wide receiver are the only two positions right now where you wouldn't start freaking out if somebody of this caliber decommitted just because of the proof in the pudding. 
Yeah. No, I think that makes sense. I think that's well said. That that it is the most important position, but it's also a position where you believe in their ability to get somebody else good, even if it's not this yeah. guy. So the the chill out people were three to one over the freak out people. So it's bad news, but it doesn't change how I feel. Fifty four percent recruiting is crazy. Stuff happens. The Buckeyes are in the playoff. They're good to go. Thirty four percent. It's huge. I was worried before. And now I'm freaking out. Twelve percent. So this is one of those. A lot of times on this pod, like the last month of this podcast has been us coming on and being like, "Don't freak out. It's okay." And I feel like. <laughs> My view of this is like, actually freak out a little bit more. Like you're actually, like we can't, we can't, it can't be he's Patrick Mahomes when he's your commit and he's not Patrick Mahomes when he's somebody else's commit. He's either Patrick Mahomes or he's not. And for six months, that's all we heard. So, but I think Steven's point absolutely, absolutely matters here also. But also, also right now, there's a very real chance you have to play him in the Big Ten, maybe multiple times. In his time at if he ends up in Nebraska, so it's not like a guy who just goes to USC or or USC or USC one of those. So it's not like he's going to Texas or Alabama or Florida or Florida State or Georgia or Clemson. He might. There's a almost a hundred percent chance right now that he ends up in the Big Ten, right? I don't know if US is like. So we all understand the Nebraska situation. It would is USC next? That just the way we think about it, Stephen, or is it like just completely wide open for any great program? It honestly. Could very easily be wide open. I think USC finished second, but also USC being in the running for him in the first place was kind of weird, just given how Lincoln Riley recruits. He does do the thing that, Doug, you and I were arguing for a long time, the every other year go get the great guy. 2024 wouldn't be the year for him to go get the dude because Singleton's in the 2023 class, and that's the guy who would be up next. But I do wonder if having Spencer Rattler not work out and playing Caleb Williams earlier than maybe expected changed his view on that. That would be an interesting thing to ask Lincoln if I covered that team. But I'm just, I think it's easy right now to just go, oh, it's going to be Nebraska because the family ties are going to be USC because that's who finished second. And that's fine. This is really, really – it's still raw and kind of happening in real time. But also, this is the number one player in the country. Alabama could get involved, you know. Yeah. Um Pretty much any top tier program can get involved with this kid. So, why, uh, why right now? That's who we want to put it on. If a year from now he's a Bama commit or he's a maybe a Michigan commit, he was. I mean, he spent a lot of his life in Michigan because his dad was playing for Detroit. He was born in the hospital across the street from Ann Arbor. At least that's what Dominic um, Rayola was telling me when they were here over the summer. So, anything could happen, you know. So, I, I'm not going to completely narrow it down to those two, even though right now that's the most ideal situations given the history here. This is, he is the new, he's the face of the new college football world because Mm -hmm. he's going to be a freshman in the first year of the 12 team playoff. He's going to be a freshman in the first year of the realignment with USC and UCLA and the big 10. And it sounds like the, the, the big 12 teams are going to go to the sec in 2024 as well. To your point, Nathan, in the new in the expanded 12 team playoff, anybody that doesn't come to your school, that's really good has a very good chance of directly blocking your path to a national championship because you're going to have to go through everybody to get there. And so Dylan, the idea that would, I didn't ask this question, will Ohio State face Dylan Rayola in his college football career? Even if he's at Alabama, even if he's at Texas, even if he's at Florida State, even if he's at Oregon, I, I think your answer might be yes. Nathan, unless like Ohio State's not good enough to even get the Dylan Rayola. But otherwise, it's like, yeah, baby, you're you're probably going to have to defend this guy. 
Well, but even going back to the more direct thing with Nebraska and USC, Gene Smith told me that the Big Ten and other people have reported this is trying to go to a schedule model where you play home and away every team at least once in a four-year period. Now, he's not a guy that people probably expect to spend four years in college. But again, the odds go up that not only would you maybe have to play him, you may have to play him on the road in his stadium at some point in his career. So I don't know, just, just something to keep in mind as you're voting on these things now that you've already voted. I like oh, people, oh, people tune in. They're like, oh, it's fine. And they're like, oh, God, no, wait. I wasn't freaking out, but now they're making me. So I do think there, there's two things here. There's three things. There's state of the program. There's state of recruiting. And there's state of quarterback recruiting slash quarterback room slash quarterback development, right? So it's all the way broad, and then it narrows down. So I tried to get to all of those things. The first one was program, right? So only 12% are freaking out at the general program level as, as a reminder, the Ohio State Buckeyes are one of four teams with a chance to win a national championship this year. That remains true. They did not decommit from the playoff. They're still playing Georgia on December 31st. So all that's still good. They might have a national championship ring to like go back and like send to to send a snapogram to Dylan Rayola and and Corey Dennis and Ryan Day can be showing off their national championship rings and see if he changes his mind again. Because also you're allowed to decommit and then recommit. So also you know true. doesn't mean he's gone for good. So that is still true. So now we're zooming down a little bit tighter on state of recruiting. And this, Stephen, goes to this, but also signing days on Wednesday for the class of 2023. Here were the four options I gave for this. How would you describe your overall view of Ohio State recruiting right now? I feel great because Ohio State recruiting is just like it's been for years, and I always feel good about it. So great. I feel good. It's maybe sliding a little bit. I feel okay We'll get good players, but this might be a new world where it's going to be harder or I'm worried. Whether it's NIL or something else, this is a bad trend. So great, good, okay, worried. Were the four options about recruiting, Stephen, what do you think won? Yeah, I think this is where they got the most negative and hyperbolic about it, worried. Just because this, uh, the way this 23 class is shaping out, Gene Smith putting out a statement, how these collectives are doing, all this, all this is happening basically within a 14 day window <laughs> that is probably, if you were anyway, optimistic, it's probably hitting at that every day. So yeah, probably worried. Nathan, what do you think one? It's tricky because the whole premise of Ohio state football is that recruiting is never just going okay, or even just good. It's always just going great, right? That's the whole, that's how you build a team that wins the big 10 year after year after year and is in the playoff more than any other big 10 team, et cetera, et cetera. So I almost don't even know how much do people just go from great. Is it a very polarizing concept for fans? Hmm. I will say I'll still say, though, that good won out. But what you're saying, Nathan, is like maybe the the only two choices actually are great and worried. And that there's well, I'm trying to put my. Yeah, I'm trying to put myself in the in the mind of an Ohio State fan because, again, this is what you're – as you said before, it's what you're used to, that every year you've got a top-five class, you you bring in five-star quarterbacks, and, and along the way you also weren't losing the way that you've – I mean, again, they're in the playoff, I know. But, like, the, all of this – all of these things wrap into each other right now. Like, how much you are satisfied with recruiting – is a little bit tied into how much you still feel in your gut November 26th against Michigan. Like those things influence each other, how you're answering a question like that. 
Yeah, like that this six-week period could be lose to Michigan, make the playoff, lose the number one recruit in the country at quarterback, win the national championship. Is just like people you're you're or, <laughs> or or lose to Georgia and Michigan wins a national championship. Like there's there's a wide oh, variety no, yeah, of no, outcomes. I was going here. at least I was going down then up then down then up. There's also down right. then up then down then down then down 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 down. So yes, that's also on the board. Okay, so uh, okay one. So the 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 third. You know, so great, good, okay, worried, okay, one, 39%. Good was second, 32%. So that is 71% of the people in the middle. So then we go to the extremes and worried beat great. 19% worried, 9% great. So again, that's not program takes right now into effect, right? That takes right now into effect. Recruiting is all future, right? So this is like recruiting, which which means the being in the playoff right now doesn't satisfy you as part of that. This is like all I'm looking at 23, and they just lost the best guy in 2024. Are you surprised by that, Nathan? It's like all you know, two to one, worried over great. No, because I think it kind of goes to to what I was saying before that I'm not sure that there are fans. Uh, I, I shouldn't, I guess, speak for them, but it's just like how many people can even bring themselves to vote for good or great right now. I think it's not a good sign for Ohio State that like okay uh three days away from signing day is winning a a poll like this and uh, i i think i'll quibble a little bit with what you're saying like that recruiting is only the future because recruiting is how you just built this team that yes is playing for playoff but in kind of a way that a lot of fans are uneasy with right now like you are questioning right now is our recruiting good enough is, is our recruiting up to the standard it needs to be in important ways and important positions? I just think that there, a, a lot of that is still has to be bouncing around in people's heads right now. But you can feel like to. really good about their chance to beat Georgia and think I like this matchup. And then if they be, I think they have a real chance against Georgia. I can't believe we're alive. And then I think they would have a chance to win the national championship if they beat Georgia. But also, by the sure. way, the minute the national championship game is over, I'm going to be freaking out about recruiting. So I do think that's what I mean by that, that like the thing that's right in front of your face would not soothe you in a recruiting conversation because the the hay's out of the barn for this for this team. Go ahead, Stephen. Yeah, I'm a little shocked that worry is not a little bit higher because, I mean, recruiting is about the future. The 2019 team was damn good. Why? The 2017 recruiting class was the number two recruiting class in the country and all those guys hit. The uh, 2020 class was we used to national championship. Why? I mean, the 2018 class wasn't am- elite, 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 but it did enough to help that team along with some guys in 2017. And you went and got the number two player in the 2018 class as a transfer. That's why. Why did the 2021 team not make the playoff? Oh, the 2019 class was a dip because they had a coaching ex- coaching change right then in the middle of all of that. So, of course, the only really good players from that class are Garrett Wilson. And then there's kind of a drop-off after that because you and lost Jack the Harrison, only other yeah. dude and, and Zach Harris, but like, there's only one like superstar, superstar, superstar in that recruiting class. So there's only one superstar, superstar, superstar on that team the very next year. What are some of the problems this year? Well, they show up if you go look at that 2020 recruiting class. Who are the good guys from that class? Jackson Smith, the Jigba, Paris Johnson, C.J. Stroud. The Julian Fleming's the only other guy who was a top 50 recruit in that class, and he's the one who didn't hit. The other three hit, and everybody else is just a okay. So it kind of explains some of this. So. What am I saying that for? Let's look at this 2023 class. 
It has one five-star right now by the name of Brandon Ennis. I'm pretty confident in two years he'll be pretty good. Maybe they get Mateo Uyungaleye on Wednesday when he announces his decision, so that's another five-star to keep an eye on. But it's not the most deep class when it comes to dudes you're expecting to be a superstar. So if in the 2025 season this team is just okay and maybe we're questioning whether or not they're going to beat Michigan, we can go back to two years ago when the heart of that class signed and go, oh, that's why this team isn't very good, which is why we have been so on this 2023 super team thing because of how good that 2021 class was. So because it's not a, as you said, it's not a right now conversation. You're asking a question of, do you feel comfortable about the recruiting? Which basically is asking a question of, do you feel comfortable about what your Ohio State football team is going to look like two years from now when the recruiting now turns into on-field product? And I do think the quarterback can elevate you. Can the quarterback some can yeah. fix some things because again it's one of those things. It's like they I, are in the playoff the right now. They, they they are in the playoff right now. Yeah. And they did they've been in the playoff through the past four years and this is so they've they've been succeeding on the field and they did not beat Michigan. But that is a specific rivalry question. I don't think that there's like a huge talent gap there, right? That you would say, oh, they don't have the talent. I don't think that you would look at Ohio State right now today and say they don't have the talent to compete for a national title. Do we agree with that? We would not say that. We believe this team, we're not saying they have the best talent in the country, but right now they have enough talent to compete for a national title legitimately. We Is that a correct statement by the three of us? It, in 2023? Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. The season that is happening right now in 2022. Oh, yeah. Well, obviously. They yeah, 2022. Yeah, yeah. No, but it's like it's not like they lucked their way in or it was a soft schedule and they're – they made the playoff, no, yeah, but are they yeah. really a top four team? They're probably we're not saying that, right? This is this is legitimate. Right. They're they good and they have good talent. Luck. Okay. Yeah. Twenty twenty three. We also think super team discussion, Stephen. As you said, we think that remains the case in twenty twenty three, in a world where you have Marvin Harrison and Emeka Buka and Travion Henderson, and you've got to figure out the tackles and Sonny Styles and C.J. Hicks and Jordan Hancock, right? We believe that to be true, 2023. They will have enough talent to compete for a national title? Yeah. Yes. Nathan, we agree with that? Correct. Yeah. Okay. So we agree with that for 2023. So then now you're talking like this. Now we're getting in the future, right? Which is the, the 2023 class is obviously really going to matter in 2024. It's not going to matter quite as much in 2023. Let's detour briefly because National Signing Day, we'll make this, this is kind of like our National Signing Day preview now as well. Are they seventh in the 247 sports composite ranking, Stephen, but they're third from yeah. the average star rating, but they're seventh yeah. from the overall total because they only have 20 commitments right now. Is that correct? Yes. Who is on the hook? Who are they waiting for? Run this down for everybody. It's like, okay, so here's what we did. We sent a survey. So a thing happened. We sent a survey. People said, actually, I feel okay about this. Then we said, you're wrong. You should be freaked out about this. <laughs> so now signing day is coming. And by the raw numbers, they're seventh, which is low for Ohio State. But let's remind them of, of who else might be on the board. Who Who's left that could lift this current Ohio State class even higher, Stephen? Of guys who can significantly lift this class damon wilson who is the number 12 player number 13 player excuse me a number two edge rusher in the country and then mateo the number 31 player the number five edge rusher that's 
that's going to be – it doesn't look like the Caleb Downs top safety in the country thing is going to happen. We'll see if, you know, Perry Eliano and Tim Walton can pull off their magic in the next couple of days here, but it doesn't look like it's going to happen. The Justice Haynes thing, the five-star running back who's from Georgia and headed to Alabama, that's definitely not happening because he was supposed to get a home visit from Ryan Day and Tony Offord, and he canceled that visit along with the, the uh, Georgia visit he was supposed to get. So he's definitely going to Alabama. Uh, Joshua Mickens is another edge rusher to keep in mind, but he won't make his deci- his public decision until the seventh at the All American Game. But there is expectation that he will be a Buckeye. But it's as far as the five stars, top fifty recruits. It's a Damon Wilson, Mateo Uyunglele discussion when both of them making their decisions on December twenty first. With on Mateo on Wednesday. Okay. Yeah, on Sunday on Wednesday with him, it's a fight with Ohio State, Oregon, and USC, and I. I Ohio State looks like it's in good position to win that one, but he is a very quiet person, so it's still a we'll see there. While with Damon Wilson, it's been a fight between them and Georgia with some NIL you know, complications in that one as well, and it's not looking like they're going to win that one. So as things stand, if they're going to add another five-star, it's probably going to be Mateo Uyunglele because his decision, as a little brother of DJ Uyunglele, his decision doesn't have much to do with DJs, especially since I think there was a report that DJ is visiting UCLA in the coming days or something like that. So they're not, I understand they're brothers, but they don't have necessarily much to do with each other. And most of Mateo's recruitment hasn't had anything in the back of his mind about what DJ is or isn't doing. So, so by the uh, people understand this, of course, listening to this, there's the overall, your recruiting ranking and something like the two, four, seven sports composite ranking is based on quantity and quality because you get an overall points total. And each player you add has a numeric rating that adds to your overall points total. So right now, Ohio State only has 20 commits, which is fewer than, I think, all the mm-hmm. teams ahead of them. And they're seventh. But then there's your average star rating, which is only quality. And so that takes into account, well, maybe you don't, you know, there's you're two or three guys short. But of the, the guys that you do have, their average rating is higher. That's where they're third. Are, Stephen, are we surprised that they're only at 20? Did we think they'd be coming a little low or is this just some guys that they thought they were going to get, they didn't get. And then they did not take plan B or plan C or plan D at certain positions. Definitely the latter. And also, I don't know. I don't think they're going to have that much room from a scholarship standpoint to have to go to BC and D plans. It's kind of, obviously if they're five-star top 100 recruits, it's like, we'll take them and then we'll figure out the roster situation later. But if you don't necessarily have the room, you, don't tend to go plan B, C, D, at least Ohio State doesn't. I know there are other schools that do do that. Ohio State's not one of those schools. And so as a result, when you lose out on Richard Young and Justice Haynes and Caleb Downs and you know, on down uh, Tackett Mark Curtis, Fletcher. USC, Mark Fletcher, when you're losing out on guys, then you just kind of stick with what it is. And so a class that maybe in August you thought would end with 23, 24, maybe 25 may only end with 21 or 22. And no running. And Sunny right? Style should be in this class, right? And yeah, and yeah, there's another part of this. Sunny Style, no, maybe in this class, and potentially, yeah, no running back. They might continue to evaluate some local guys late, and we'll see with some things in the later signing period in January. But there is a very good chance that there's no running back in this class, which puts a lot more pressure on 24. That you've been trying to get this two back class going for two years now. Well, you kind of have to do it now in 24 because you're not going to do it now. And again, part of this, I think we talked about before. They're, I think part of the reason they're less active in the transfer portal as 
in terms of guys coming in, it's because they don't lose as many guys going out. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, Jansen Dunn, what, to Kentucky, Nathan, that happened on Sunday? Yep. Is that right? Correct. You know, yes. they are not losing guys that are primary guys. They're losing backups, guys who, who were not able to earn playing time here. That's normal. That's not hurting the Ohio State program. Good luck to all those guys, whether it's Jansen Dunn, whether it's Taraja Mitchell or guys like that. So um, less less movement in the transfer portal both ways compared to a lot of top-tier schools. But every recruiting discussion now, it's like, well, oh, they don't have a running back in this recruiting class out of high school? Out of high school? Okay, well, maybe they'll add somebody else some other way if they feel like they need to, or maybe they'll just roll with Trayvon Henderson, Mayan Williams, Evan Pryor, Dallin Hayden, and Chip Trainum, multi-positional superhero. So, okay, another quick break. When we come back, we want to dive into a little bit more about the quarterback future, the quarterback past. We're, we're getting narrowed down into quarterbacks at Ohio State in the wake of the Dylan Rayola decommitment. Next on Buckeye Talk. All right, we are back. If you have concerns about Ohio State quarterback recruiting, what do you think the biggest issue might be? And I did give one of the options of, I don't really have any concerns. And 26% of the people, when I'm giving multiple options of, where's your greatest concern with quarterback recruiting? A quarter of them said none. So I wanted to give that option. I don't want to make people have concerns that don't exist. These are the other choices. Corey Dennis as the quarterback's coach. Ryan Day as the head coach and the overall offense losing to Michigan the last two years and just sort of like the overall like program momentum that might go along with that. And then Ohio state not competing at the top level in NIL. So those were the, and then I gave an other, and I will say 7% of the people picked other. So of those other options, Nathan, what do you think the, the textures believe is the potentially the biggest issue in quarterback recruiting Corey Dennis, Ryan day, the overall vibe of the program with the Michigan losses or NIL. Well, I'm, I, I wonder if they might pick NIL just because that's been such a topic of conversation lately, although it hasn't really come up in relation to the quarterbacks so far. So I think that would be a misguided answer if you gave that right now. Um, so I would probably just say maybe the, the Michigan losses and the overall state of things that it seems like Ohio state is slipping in some way that the prestige is slipping, that, that, that special thing is slipping and that costs you at the upper, upper echelon of, of recruiting the most important position. Steven, what do you think? Yeah, I, I, I agree with Nathan that the NIL thing would be a misguided thing. Cause that's not the thing here, but I think that's what is on the forefront front of everybody's minds right now is, Oh, we lost another guy for NIL reasons. So I'll, I'll pick that one. It is NIL, 47% NIL, 17% losing to Michigan and overall program vibe, and then not very specific coaching stuff, 2% Ryan Day, 1% Corey Dennis. So they really think it's more like outside forces. We don't have any, nobody is saying, nobody came out, you know, Dylan Ray Older and his family didn't come out and say, hey, you know, we're looking for $20 million in NIL and we don't think Ohio State can do it. Like that, nobody said anything close to that. But what would, why would we think that's, that isn't a, a potentially primary factor with any great recruit in the country. And I know what you said, Stephen, that his dad played in the NFL, but also, I don't know, he was a lineman for 10 years. I mean, I don't, I'm, they have more money than a, somebody who was an accountant, right? But I don't know. They still could be in a world where, and, and anybody, for anybody, your worth matters. People, you want to be, you have worth in this system now. So you, you, you think, you, we don't have proof of it, but for people to have that in our, in their head, because we have been talking about NIL a lot, 
You think that wouldn't apply for Ohio State and quarterbacks? No, no, no. I Just in this specific situation, it's not so much that he grew up with money. It's just more that he can have a different approach to – and I, what's your their endorsement deals? He can have a different approach to that because he grew up around that type of environment with people doing that. If it, even if it's not just his dad, because Marvin Harrison is in, in a similar situation because he grew up with money. His dad's Marvin Harrison, but over he was like joking with Mar, with Brian Hartline, like if, if somebody didn't come to me with a million dollar deal, then don't come to me with it. Even though Brian Hartline obviously can't have anything to do with that, but that's his mindset, and some of that might just be. When you go up around pros, you view some of that stuff differently. So you don't take some of the small little stuff and you take the, the big money or please get out of my face. I'm going to go work. And because that I'm maybe just applying that's Marvin logic. That's Dallin Hayden logic as guys who grew up around pros that maybe Dylan Raiola seems that might have that same approach with it where it's like, I don't have to take every little small collective deal. Nah, come talk to me when Express wants to do a deal with me. Come talk to me when ex when Lamborghini wants to do a deal with me the same way they did with B. John Robinson. They don't have to take some of the low hanging fruit stuff that comes with the alleged where a collectors are paying recruits to commit to schools. I do think the the, the idea of big picture thinking. Your dad played in the league, and your yeah. priority is developing yourself to get to the NFL. And you're not. You're not concerned about the money now. You're concerned about the money later. I think that kind of big picture view, everybody I think who, who has family who played in the league can, you know, whether it's the Boses, whether it's Michael Thomas, you just, you kind of can take that view, but I don't think it's unreasonable. Again, I think a lot of people's heads are in NIL right now. So, okay. So it's not like people, again, I, I would be curious, Nathan, I was going to be, I was very curious about the Ryan Day and Corey Dennis stuff. Like did fans from the outside and listen, like, how would we know? What do we know, right? But do they have a perception? Is their gut telling them, hey, the individual people involved here are messing this up? Hey, coach of the position. Hey, head coach who calls the plays and is a quarterback expert. Why can't you keep these guys? Why can't you keep Quinn Ewers in Columbus? Why can't you keep Dylan Rayola committed? What's wrong with you? I just, I didn't know if people not correctly even, Nathan, but just emotionally might go there. And they didn't go there at all. I'm not saying they should, but I just found that interesting that like that was not even not even a thought for most people. Well, a couple things. First of all, I think it would be different if you looked at this roster in the wake of Dylan Riola leaving and were like, well, what do they have in reserve? Like, where else do they go for those next three years? Because you've got Common Court and you've got Devin Brown and you've you've got whatever you can still do in 24 but they still for the short term they've got legitimate guys here so Corey Dennis and, and Ryan Day went out and got those guys and got them to come here so that probably still factors into the way people think about this the other thing is if and the one thing that's maybe is is the other thing that helps Ohio State for 2024 I think it would be one thing if the right now there's no vibe out there that Ohio State like slighted the Rayolas in some way, or that there was, maybe that comes out. I don't know, but like right now it doesn't sound like a fractured relationship. It sounds like they made a decision for their own reasons, not something that Ohio state messed up. And same thing with Quinn Ewers, even though we have Doug, I think you maybe most vocally have questioned whether Ohio state gets a complete pass for that, not working out. I think that's a fair thing to bring up, 
But as you also stated before, that also seems like a guy making the decision to go home for his own reasons. The 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 ground shifted beneath his feet a little bit as to far as what Texas was and made it a more desirable destination. So if Ohio State were losing these recruits for things that Ohio State was doing wrong in the recruiting process, I think that would look worse than you just happened to have two guys. You took your shot at 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 more remote guys, Texas and Arizona, and those guys decided to make long-term, maybe geographic or family locations. I think so, and it, and that's going to help them as they try to repair this 2024 hole too, because you can go back to those same people in 2024. And it's not like they're thinking that you just screwed over the guy who left. They can look and say, Oh, Dylan Riola made a decision that was solely about Dylan Riola. That doesn't, that shouldn't color how I look at Ohio state now. Yeah. I think the only slight that maybe would have been on the table just because this can happen with quarterback sometimes is nobody wants to come into a crowded room. And if he felt like, there was some idea that they wouldn't go after a 23 quarterback and they wouldn't go after a 25 they, quarterback. Cause it was, they not but even that. that is like, you think Lincoln kind of no scared way. away no, Dylan no. Rayola? <laughs> no, I no, I don't think that happens. I'm trying to think of the only possible slight. And that's the only thing is he thought he'd be, the, there wouldn't be a quarterback in the class coming in before him or after him. But even but as I'm saying, isn't. I don't believe that. No, nah, it's not it. No, no offense. No, I mean, they did. Pull. I mean, you that's get three. a quarterback. That's three. No. <laughs> Nobody, but you said Nathan that you recruit a quarterback every year. Ryan Day says that. Ryan Day yes. wants a quarterback in every class. They want four guys. They want yeah. four scholarship quarterbacks in the room. They want a guy in every class. Now, do you go five star, five star, five star, five star, or do you go five star, kind of a backup, five star, kind of a backup? And like they haven't gone. When we've said in the past, Ryan Day, how about recruiting backup quarterbacks? And he's like, are you nuts? And then yeah. in 2023, they did that. They went about they doing that. No they didn't try to get Arch either. Manning. They didn't try to get yeah. Arch Manning. They didn't spend one second on Arch Manning, did they? No, they also didn't have a choice because it was very clear that none of those top guys were going to come after him. But yeah, it was, they put a feeler out there as you should to see if Arch would come north. And then it was very obvious. I think that we all knew that Arch Manning was not coming north. He was going to stay down there in the south. But, but but one of the reasons the 23 guys didn't come is because the 24 guy was locked in. Because the room is so loaded. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, that was even before Dylan was locked in. They, they, Dante Moore had been in conversation at times and he had taken some visits. It's just never turned into much with any of the, uh, 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 Nico Imaliva, who was at Tennessee, he had camped at Ohio State. So they put their fisher, their feelers out there for the 23 class. Nobody bought. So it's a combination of, yeah, you intentionally look for Mac Jones, but also it's not like the opposite of a Mac Jones was willing to sign up to play. Why? Why did the 23 guys not bite? Because eventually you were going to reach a class who looked at the room and said, no, I don't want to be a part of that. But why? But what did they see in the room? Starter. What did they see in the room? What, what part of the room? Stroud. Stroud's Stroud, gone. Stroud Stroud, has zero McCord in yours. McCord in yours. McCord in yours more than anything right. else. Well, yours is gone. So like, but, but so now we're talking about a world where Quinn Ewers and Dylan Raiola, both in their own ways, scared off 23 guys. And now none of them are here. Neither of them are here. Yeah. So, like, I, I mean, this is what we're talking about again. The context matters of you, you didn't get a 23 guy because that 23 guy didn't want to sit behind Quinn Ewers and didn't get to get jumped by Dylan Raiola. And now you don't have Ewers and you don't have Raiola and you don't – and you have a 24 guy – a 23 guy that you flip from Washington who's a number 200 player in the country who is not the typical standard of the Ohio State quarterback recruit in a class. So Ewers and Raiola had an effect, but – no contribution, which 
does not mean Ugh. Ohio State's going to fall off a cliff. But as we sit here right now, I'm an eight. That's all. You came down. You were at a nine. Start of the no, pod. No, I was an eight. I said I, I, I reserved the right. Let's see. Let's see. Devin Brown is very soothing. But also Devin Brown, right? Like Devin Brown. Was- so Kyle McCord's been here. Kyle McCord. And we got that Kyle McCord discussion in a second. But like. If Dev- if Devin Brown was the number three hundred and seventy one player <laughs> in his class instead of a top fifty guy, I'd be an yep. eleven, <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. You're like, what are we That's talking true. about? You're now yeah. blowing up. Ewers was here. Ewers left. You couldn't replace him. Rayola was here. He scared guys away. Now he's gone, and it's like, what are we? What is happening? But as we've also said, Tristan Wallace turns into Dwayne Haskins. They had what Emory Jones and. Um, and, the, and Dwayne Matthew Mathis Baldwin. De, and yeah. Matthew Baldwin, they all, Kate Martell, they all vanish because Justin Fields is here, right? And and right. and like all the Jack Miller, oh no, CJ. it's CJ Stroud. Yeah. Like everything, it keeps happening and it keeps being not just fine, but very, very good. So that matters. The history matters. Yeah. But it's also not only- exactly how I think Ryan Day would choose. To do it because, and let's do this. Let's do this right now. I think yeah. what he would choose to do is Kyle McCord. Mm-hmm. It's the only example of it. It's the only example. It's the only example yeah. in Ryan Day's whole career here of go identify. You choose him. He chooses you. Bring him in. Develop him. Go because by the but also and here's the other thing too. Lincoln Riley, everybody loves Lincoln Riley. Everybody wants to know, how come Lincoln Riley has all these Heisman-winning quarterbacks and Ryan Day doesn't? Baker Mayfield, transfer. Kyler Murray, mm-hmm. transfer. Jalen Hurts, transfer. The first guy, Spencer Rattler, his guy yep. blows up. The first time that Lincoln Riley had a guy from identify, you choose him, he chooses you, he comes, you develop him, bingo, is Caleb Williams. And that works so well, he followed him from one school to the next. So we, we also can't pretend that Lincoln Riley has been plan a himself through all this stuff. He's been plan b like a mamma jamma and plan b his way to a, to a Heisman Trophy. Now, I'm not, you know, Kyler Murray, hey, let's get in the transfer here. But it's not, the, if, if plan A is high school identification, recruitment, signing, development of a high school quarterback, I still believe that is plan A for successful head coaches and quarterback gurus in college, right? That is not, Lincoln Riley did not ever fully complete that process until Caleb Williams. And Ryan Day has not fully completed that process ever. Now, CJ, he has, but it, 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 the first part of that was a little, got a little lucky. Right, DJ would have it would have been more like that if Jack Miller had never yes. had those injuries and tumbled down the rankings, and then you get the we identified a sixteen year old kid, got him in the class, and he built the class around him, and now look what he is, and we're kicking him out the door as a first rounder. So even CJ is more CJ is more of the plan B, just like Justin Fields and, and Dwayne. Well, Kyle McCord, Kyle McCord is literally the the second human being to commit to Ohio State with a, Ryan Day as his head coach, literally the second. Behind Jack Miller, and he's been even a little bit more patient than you would have expected the guy to be because he's had to wait two extra years to even be the starting quarterback here. We'll see if he actually wins the job. But Kyle McCoy, CJ is probably the first, you know, 
start to finish from like once he gets on campus, I develop this guy. But Kyle McCord is going to be the first. I've been working with this kid since he was hitting puberty. And does it work or not? And that's just like with Caleb Williams is going to be the first guy for Lincoln Riley. Like, how good are you at this, really? Kyle McCord is probably the full version of that, even though CJ is a good example. Now, you don't get bonus points for that, right? You don't get no, bonus you know. points. <laughs> just But, but it, it's just an example of, like, of true forethought and success all along the way. And we are not saying that Kyle McCord has to be Caleb Williams because that is not fair because Caleb Williams is extraordinary. So we're not going to do that to Kyle McCord. But I'm not, not this was like that. this was I mean I I don't think he has to win the Heisman and like do be the most dynamic think, player in college football. No, I, I think whatever his skill set is, he should be a Heisman level version of that skill set if this team wants to be good next year. So okay, that more of that than just Yeah, I don't think he has to do it the way Caleb does it. He just has to do it the way Kyle does it and has to be the best version. But we very much, with Urban Meyer, very much was like the first quarterback that he recruited at Florida was Tim Tebow, and the first quarterback that Urban Meyer recruited at Ohio State was J.T. Barrett, right, from beginning to end. And it's like, well, what happened there? It's like, I don't know. Are they the two defining guys of Urban Meyer's tenure at those two schools who became multi-multi-year starters for teams that won at the highest level and were accomplished players on the field and great leaders in the locker room? Yes. So, again not bonus points, but Nathan, I, I think there's, I think people understand what we're talking about here, right? There's just the, the, the pure plan a check every box. And then there are other times. And again, the bottom line in recruiting, Nathan plan A's are hard. It's crazy. Special and NIL and transfer portal and everything else only makes it more crazy, but it will be really interesting to see what the culmination of the Kyle McCord Ryan Day relationship looks like in 2023, because if it maximizes, we'll all sit back and be like, "Okay, that is how you do it." Not that Justin Fields, great, <laughs> get that guy to transfer up here. What? Great, CJ Stroud, that late in the process, and he's that good. Great, awesome. But Kyle McCord and Ryan Day have a chance to do something here, Nathan. Yeah, and. Yes, recruiting is crazy. Quarterback recruiting in particular is crazy because you're putting all your eggs in one basket. That's what was unique about the 2020 situation where it's why Stroud isn't quite a plan B because they were going to take two guys in that class to get that room up to to numbers where they needed to be anyway. It just happened that the better of the two being the second one was not anything anybody expected at the time. He was He was a latecomer more than he was a plan B. But Listen, you're putting all your eggs in one basket, like we said, and and it's day is done it a slightly different way, but it's why when you get Spencer Rattler and it looks like it's going to be a thing and then it's not, it's how you're just kind of left there exposed and looking like Oklahoma did last year for the first half of that season or more. Um, so that's the other tricky thing here is that like it looks like, but at least in Ohio State's case, it's not like we're standing here saying, and hey, Kyle McCord might be great next year. We don't know. We just haven't really seen enough of him. But it's not like you're sitting here saying, well, it's Kyle McCord or Lincoln Keimholtz, and that's it. Like, that's their two things, either a true freshman who's not that highly rated or this guy who hasn't gotten on the field that much. Like, they've got the intermediate option, a guy who can even push Kyle McCord this spring for all we know. So it's 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 – I would still say that as we've, we've kind of gone back and forth all along on where – whether Ryan Day's approach works, 
And even coming out of a decommitment that it's potentially this significant, right now, the plan is working. The plan has set them up for have a good solution. There are not many, if any, Big Ten programs that are more excited about their quarterback situation for next year than Ohio State is with a guy who started one game and thrown a few other passes, another guy who's done nothing. For starters, um, yes, I understand every program wants four scholarship quarterbacks in their room, but if Jack Miller had been a five-star quarterback, I think they would have been okay with just having three scholarship quarterbacks in 2020, especially since they just are coming off a year where they had three. Like Getting four quarterbacks in the room is hard. That is a lofty goal at this point, so I, I – a lot of that had to do with Jack Miller wasn't going to be good enough anymore. And we just watched him as a starting quarterback for Florida in a bowl game. And voila, that's why they went and got CJ Stroud. I think that the room is fine. And I'm, I'm pretty sure we're going to have a Kyle McCord discussion as we get forward. And hopefully this is leading us to that. As long as Kyle McCord wins the job, because he does, if he doesn't win the job, then you are talking about that situation. You're talking about potentially Devin Brown beat out Kyle McCord as a guy who didn't throw a pass and his backup quarterback is a guy who was a late bloomer and now a borderline top 200 recruit who isn't going to get here until June. Okay, so let's finish off this one other thing really quick before we move into that Kyle McCord discussion. Ohio State has now lost the top national quarterback in two classes with Quinn Ewers and Dylan Rayola. What should their strategy be for national quarterbacks? Here are the three options. Focus on quarterbacks who love Ohio State, even if they aren't five stars. Like, bring it home, right? Back off a little bit on the national guys and try to find guys with at least a little connection to Ohio State. Or keep going for the best guys. Don't change because of what happened with Ewers and Rayola. Steven, what do you think won and what would you vote? I think keep going for the best guys one, and that's what I would vote too. Now, if you find the best guy who also has a Ohio connection, that's great because then it keeps the Quinn Ewers and or Dylan Raiola situation from happening. But you got to keep going for the best quarterback you can get in every year. Nathan, what would you say? Uh, yeah, uh, I think my vote would be go for the best, and I think that's probably what won. I hope people have a realistic concept of that because, like, even Kyle McCord, who's from one state over, if you're a five-star quarterback prospect, you're mm-hmm. basically a national guy. Like it, it, you're you're being recruited by every school in the country, every school that matters, every national. So it's it's not like that's a regional pickup there. That's a that's still almost a national guy in a lot of ways. So I don't think you can let geography at this position dictate. You have to go get the best guys if you want to have the best team in the country. Eighty two percent agree with that. Eighty two percent keep going for the best guys. Fourteen percent back off a little. Four percent focus on quarterbacks at level Ohio State. So I just wanted to check. I don't know. I just, I just, I'm, that's a gut check, right? Because every now and then when, when, when Ohio state fans get a little frazzled, their gut check is let's make the recruiting radius. If you can't walk to Ohio stadium, we don't want you right. Archie Griffin. He's from Columbus. Keep like do that. I just, that's not where they are. That's not where they are. I do think for instance, the reason that I think the decommitments matter is because Recruiting time and recruiting energy and recruiting choices matter. And so the other part of the Quinn Ewers, Devin Brown equation is Drew Aller. And that you wound up in that mm-hmm. class going for a guy in Texas and getting a commitment from a guy in Texas. And then Quinn Ewers reclassified with screwed stuff up. But really, just think of this being Quinn Ewers' true freshman year in 2022. You went for Ewers, which made you not go for Drew Aller. So then once the Ewers things went south and you try to go back to Drew Aller at the end, Drew Aller's like, I'm committed to Penn State. It's too late. And then they go to Devin Brown. 
So let's see what Drew Aller looks like. And looks like if that's, it's the cost that it's the, the opportunity cost involved here, right? Devin Brown, great solution to losing Quinn Ewers. But maybe if you had never, if you, if the, that to me is back off a little bit. Because it's not that you didn't have any quarterbacks in Ohio, but it's like, you know what? And I know Drew Aller was maybe a little bit later in the process, but like, I don't know. This guy's from Texas. He's like a big time guy. He's no connections here. He's a great player, but I don't know. This guy is in Cleveland, man. Like, let's go look at that guy, right? It's that. When you have that, that that to me would be an example of back off a little bit. That to me is not an example of just go to guys with who are from Ohio. You know what I mean? So that to me, Stephen, is what that would look like. Um, that that if you have the number one quarterback in the country who is just far flung and zero connection here, and the number seven quarterback in the country who's closer geographically and maybe has a little more of an inclination opportunity costs do you do you maybe go for the number seven guy in the country in a world where you just went for the number one guy in two classes and neither of them ever did anything for your program what did you lose out on in the chase that's that's where i'm wondering if you would not change the approach but tweak it I, I don't hate what you're saying. I, I actually kind of agree with it. And I do think that that would be an interesting conversation to have with some people. If, if Drew out, the problem is he just started off so far down before he turned into a five-star recruit. If he had been halfway there to what he ended up being when Quinn Ewers decommitted from Texas the first time, does Ohio State still get in that race? Maybe because yeah. that's a different – because now that's what you're talking You're talking about the kid who's halfway there, but because he lives in Ohio, the development's a little slower – I think you can deal with that. You can't – Drew Howell is like a three-star recruit, and you can't yep. explain that to people. I do, well, but in this situation, it really doesn't matter. But if there is a Drew Aller in Ohio right now in that 2024 class, once again, we're talking about time. Because this is happening now, the, around the time that Drew Aller begun his ascent in the, fir- fir- ascent in the first place, that gives Drew Aller time to get around. And if by next September – that kid's throwing 450 yards and four touchdowns a game, and he looks like a borderline top 100 kid headed to five-star status. It's like, oh, you lost out on the perfect dude, but look what just popped up in your backyard. This gives you time to go evaluate that guy. While I'm sure they're probably going to keep poking at Dylan Rayola until he tells them no, and it's a very clear no, but at least now you have time for a potential Drew Aller situation to have in a situation where Quinn didn't give you that. You found out maybe – a um, couple of weeks before the world found out that he was coming and then you started scrambling. So you couldn't do that. But I, I, I do agree with the idea of maybe you don't go for the perfect dude from Arizona or Texas or Florida. If there's a kid who's ranked fifth, sixth or seventh right there in your backyard, because who knows what he turns into as he keeps physically developing. Last kind of couple questions uh, along these lines. This is, again, just off the path before we get to the quarterback development. Just real quick, we already talked about this. Pure guess, where do you expect Dylan Royola is going to end up? Nebraska got 77%. A major program that gets him with a huge NIL deal got 12%. A, a top national program with a great offense like USC got 11%. So this is three-quarters of the people thinking this is going to be a Nebraska deal. And I do think that informs – that's mostly just for us to figure out. That doesn't mean that Dylan Royola has a 77% chance of winding up at Nebraska. But if people are not freaking out, I think it's because three quarters of the people think 
this, you just lost it on family connections here. What are you going to do? So I'm, I'm not viewing it as Ohio state blew this. And I do think, I also think that if Dylan Royola commits to USC in three months, I think people might Mm -hmm. have a different view of this picture, but let's go back. We cover Ohio state. Let's go back to the Ohio state part of this. I asked this Nathan to come together on purpose. And the two are this with Kyle McCord, Devin Brown and Lincoln Kineholtz. How do you feel about Ohio State's quarterback future right now? Ten is great. One is bad. And then Justin Fields for two years, C.J. Stroud for two years. How have you felt about Ohio State quarterback play so far in the Ryan Day era? Ten is great. One is bad. So I wanted those right on top of each other as questions, Nathan, because one is sort of like, how have you felt about the quarterback past and present? And how do you feel about the quarterback future? And is there a is there a big gap there? Right? That's what I'm trying to do. I'm like a psychologist. I really am. You guys have seen that movie, The Five-Year Engagement, and Emily Blunt's like a psychologist and they're doing donut experiments. I, I'm not. The texters don't know this. This whole thing is a donut experiment. I'm just placing donuts in front of people and seeing if they eat them or not. It's a good movie. I like Jason Siegel. I find him charismatic. I would recommend the five-year engagement. Also a big Emily Blunt fan. But there's a lot of that stuff, like all these prisoner things. Stanford people are always doing studies where you make people feel like they're prisoners. And then what happens? The texters are like. Can I ask a question? Are there texters listening right now? Are the texters listening? The texters are like prisoners who pay us. (laughs) No, but I I, I like to try to ask questions where the two answers in totality Right, tell us something, Stephen. Are you? Do you have a, a thought about the five-year engagement? Chris Pratt's also in that movie. Okay, ooh, you said a name I know because he's uh, Star Lord. Um, yes. Is Jason? I know that this is probably out of my culture. Is Jason Siegel the tall dude from How I Met Your Mother? Yes. Okay. And forgetting, I don't Sarah know Marshall. who Emily Blunt is. Emily Blunt. Uh, she's like in a Tom Cruise movie. Yeah, Edge of Tomorrow. And she was in, she's married to John Krasinski from The Office. She was in A Quiet Place. Oh, okay. I know who that is. That movie where you can't talk? Yeah. Where you can't talk, you get eaten by lizards? I don't okay. Know. Yeah, I know. I never really see. Keep, yeah, okay. You no. should see it. It's great. I'm with you guys, what a though. shock. I didn't see the movie where nobody can talk. <laughs> it's a little, yeah, tr- I was just a little triggering. This is torture. Why? Why? If that was it, if like those, if the zombie lizards came down and were like, "If you talk, we'll eat you," I'd be dead in thirty seconds, and I'd be fine with that. I'd rather 30. be dead, than not be able to talk. Would I make it thirty? Okay, so here the two combined: past, past, present, Nathan, and then future. How do you feel? First of all, for both of you, which do you think got the higher rating: the future of the quarterback or the past present of the quarterback? Which did people feel better about? Past present. Nathan, you go first on that. I, I take past, past present. present. Stephen, yeah. what do you think? Okay, Stephen, what do you think got higher, the future or past present? Yeah, past present probably got okay. higher. Past present was better. I think if we had asked that question while Dylan Rayola was committed, I think the future, in a, like, might have gotten higher. In a world where there is some small portion of the fan base that's like, well, CJ Stroud's good, but is he great? And then we're like, yeah, but Patrick Mahomes yeah. is coming. I, I think that might have been the case. Steven, do you think the gap was big or not that big between the future? The future is not as good as past, present, but do you think it's a big gap or not that big of a gap? I think it might be big, and it's kind of unfair, and a lot of it is Lincoln Kyle Holtz is not rated that highly, and we've only really seen Kyle McCord 
once and it wasn't the greatest thing in the world. So I think there are some people who are maybe unjustly already out on a guy who was a five-star recruit while, I mean, Justin Fields is like tearing it up in the NFL right now and he got to the national title game and CJ is a two-time Heisman. He never beat Michigan, but he might end up playing in the national championship. So that's what you know while you've only seen one of those other three guys and you didn't maybe like what you saw. Jason, big gap, small gap. Well, how, I I don't know how you're defining big gap or small gap, but uh, I don't know either. <laughs> Look, Go with your gut. <laughs> I I would say relatively big gap because <laughs> of what Steven's saying. That I think. I mean, listen, four years. You have three Heisman finalists. You have um, three trips to the playoff and a national championship game. Uh, you have one guy who was a first round pick and another guy who's probably gonna be right. I think that yeah. that is is pretty impressive, while everything else is very unknown. All right, so it's about a it's an eight point eight on past present, close to a nine. It's a seven point one on future. So good. that's almost a two point gap. I it's think it's a decent it's sized gap, yeah. right? I, yeah. I think that's closer to big than small. So yeah. that you think four years of the Ryan Day era as a head coach, your quarterback play is a nine. And now you're thinking it's maybe more like a seven in the future. I, I guess let's finish with this, Stephen. Do we think the quarterback play in the next four years of Ohio State football will be better than the first four years of the Ryan Day era, worse, or about the same? And again, my perspective, if Dylan Rayola was still committed to Ohio State, I think I might say better. And that's knowing how good C.J. Stroud and Justin Fields are. But if you're telling me, and I'm not saying it, but if people are saying this guy is like Patrick Mahomes and you're thinking you're going to get at least two years as as a starting quarterback out of this guy. If he didn't start in 24, he's going to start in 25 and 26. And man, I don't know. He might start in 24 if he's that special. And that's what you're telling me. As good, This has been a 9 out of 10 for four years. I might have taken the future instead of the past. If you had said, if you had said, Doug, you can take a a duplication of the four years or door number two is what Dylan Rayola might give you. I think I would have taken Dylan Rayola. And right now, if you said you can take a duplication of the four years of Fields and Stroud, or you can take the future. I think I'd take a duplication of Fields and Stroud. So that's how I'm trying to think about this. Steven, how would you categorize where you think this quarterback future is? Mm, That's hard. I think partially I agree with you because then you're talking about a situation where let's just say Kyle McCord is every bit of the five-star recruit he was, and there's a chance you only get him for one year. But it's like, it's okay, because in a year from now, after Devin does his thing, you're going to get the perfectly rated dude who everybody thinks is uh, Patrick Mahomes, but like 10 pounds heavier. So it's it's two five-star quarterbacks in a span of four years, while this is a dude you had to go get from the transfer portal, who was a five-star and all, all that stuff, but you had to go get from the transfer portal, and a dude you had to luck into and hit a back door who will also never beat your rival. But you don't have the extra part of that. And if Kyle McCord is everything that some of us think he is, then you're only getting one year of that. And you're maybe not all the way sure what Devin Brown is going to be because you've never seen him throw a pass and thinking Keenholz is what he is. And so 
the safe answer is to say that the the best of what we've seen from Ohio State quarterbacks is in the past. Uh, but I'll go out on a limb because there's a chance that Kyle McCord's one year might end up in a national championship because of the super team thing. So I'll say the future. Nathan, how would you characterize this? I've been really, and we're going to have to table this discussion somewhat probably even because we're going to talk a lot about Kyle McCord between now and April and then between now and August. But I've been thinking about this a lot today because we're very quick to say this one year of Kyle McCord that's coming up. But Kyle McCord comes from a pretty savvy family that knows that other guys who've only started for one year have fallen on their face a little bit. And that if he were the one that wins the job this spring, I, I don't know if I assume that he runs out the door. But I also don't know what it looks like that he has such a good year, but then isn't enticed not to come back um, or then or can also or would have a year that isn't good enough that they would allow him to keep the job. You know what I'm saying? So I've been really going back and forth. I, again, I just come back to, though, how many teams have two guys on deck? behind their guy that just was a Heisman Trophy finalist and is about to play in the playoff that they can turn this thing over to. You can have a legitimate competition between two really strong quarterback talents and figure this out between now and next August or now and next spring, whenever you think you need to make that decision. They're just, I I think that perspective is important. Be frustrated that Dylan Rayola got away. Be wary of where he's going to end up next. As we said before, he might be, somebody you have to deal with a couple times down the line, but don't despair to the point to lose sight of where you are in the, in the immediacy, because we know the rest of this talent, as we already said, is should be national championship contention caliber next year. And we think either one of these quarterbacks, whichever one wins the job, puts them in good position to maximize that talent. We talk a lot about, sort of the ascension at positions, right? They do this, then they do this, they do this, and then they get to the guy who's sort of the culmination of everything you want at that position. And as Justin Fields and CJ Stroud were are excellent, excellent college quarterbacks, I just thought maybe Dylan Rayola was the culmination. And I yeah. am not necessarily expecting that Kyle McCord and Devin Brown will be a culmination. They might be as good. I At the moment... Like if you told me like Quinn Ewers, Dylan Rayola, will that be better? Could that be better than Justin Fields, CJ Stroud? I would say, yeah, I think it could be. If you're telling me can Kyle McCord, Devin Brown, and then whoever's next, will that be better? I think it'd be as good. I don't think there's going to be a drop-off, but I it, it's harder for me at the moment to think about how it's going to be, like they're really going to be better. So that's why I would lean back on the pass because I think I just think the upside, both the guys they lost, I think had the extra level of upside. But it doesn't mean, and I think in the end, what we would say is, I don't think any of our texters, I don't think that what we learned from asking the texters this question today is, I do not think they are panicking, right? There, you maybe are a little regretful of an upside that felt I had a chance to be special, but I don't think anybody thinks, Stephen, this torpedoes anything. Because Kyle McCord, highly rated dude, great talent, still upside. Same for Devin Brown. We'll see with Lincoln Kineholt, and they'll get somebody else in 2024. But I think it's okay to have a little bit of regret of, man, oh boy. And how curious are all of us to see what Dylan Royola is going to look like as a college quarterback now. It'll be a very interesting story for Ohio State fans to follow. 
Yeah, you're not worried because you like what you have in the room, and it's one of the few positions on this team where you're not worried that you're going to be able to replace him. But in the immediate of it, you're probably like, well, this sucks. There's been two perfectly rated quarterbacks and basically the last three years, and we had both of them, and neither one of them started a single game for us. So I think it's a combination of a sophisticated fan base in this regard who also understands that it's a big deal that you lost a big-time player. Who, but I do agree with that. This seems like the one position so far that the 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 peak of what it's supposed to be at Ohio State keeps getting pushed back in the recruiting mm. cycle. Because I mean, we saw it with Chase Young at defensive end. We're seeing it right now with Marvin Harrison at wide receiver. Jeff Okuda, Marshawn Lattimore, maybe have been that at at, uh, at corner. Malik Hooker's been that at free safety. We've seen it with Ryan Shazier, quarterback for whatever. And that just shows you just how weird it is, even at a school like Ohio State, who is, you know, making this a first round factory at this point. That position can't seem to get the guy who is the we're really good at this thing. But here's like the poster child for how good we can actually be at it. And I do think, Nathan, in the end, Dylan Royola is a class of 2024 guy. But if you think right now, Ohio State's starting quarterback for 2023, 2024 and 2025. So 2023 is third-year Kyle McCord, second-year Devin Brown. 2024 would be fourth-year Kyle McCord, third-year Devin Brown. 2025 would be fourth-year Devin Brown. So we can't assume that both stay the entire time because the loser might leave. But you can see how the winner would potentially give you very good quarterback play for an extended period of time. Like say Devin Brown wins it next year. Then Devin, I mean, Devin Brown could be the quarterback for three years, maybe. Right. I mean, he could be out the door in two years, but that's the thing, Nathan, that you can write. There's a, they are almost, they are probably in a very good spot, at least for 23 and 24 and potentially into 25 as well. And that's the first two years of Dylan Rayola. Right. And you're still fine. And now all of a sudden you're like, okay, well let's make sure they're okay for 2026 and that is a long a long ways away so that's the thing about recruiting nathan obviously we know that but it, it's a it yep. can feel a long way off in the future but also um and the portal can change everything like we've done that i think in the past and it's like all right let's figure out who's gonna be ohio state starting quarterback in 2023 they said in 2019 and we were like i think it's tate martell's fourth year as a starter i think he might be going for his <laughs> third heisman by then it's like what did that go wrong and then like the next week so we can pretend to know what the future holds, but it's it's not like the future's on fire. Well, and listen, as guys have to make decisions, we talked about this so much with Comicord and the Quinn Ewers situation, but once Ewers was out of the picture, it changed the calculus for him. And now with Riola leaving this 2024 class, depending on who else they get, it changes the calculus a little bit for Devin Brown as he has decisions to make, depending on if Kyle McCord wins this job. It takes a little bit of that pressure of the guy coming in from behind to to mess that up. But we'll see how that all plays out. I, just to get back to the, a thought I had earlier when you are talking about how quickly things can change in recruiting, when uh, Kymholtz committed, flipped and committed to Ohio State, I saw a beat writer say, Oh, this guy from uh, South Dakota, who the last uh, coaching staff here just didn't get involved with at all. Now he's going to Ohio State. That B-Redder was from Nebraska. 
who like South Dakota is like their backyard, really. If any team is going to like any national power is going to recruit South Dakota, it's going to be Nebraska, or maybe Minnesota who's not a national power. Neither of them are national powers right now. But you know what I'm saying? Like that's a big 10 guy to begin with. And he's going to Washington and, uh, he that was somebody saying, oh, we felt like we let someone get away. And then like a few days later, now Dylan Riola might be sliding into Lincoln uh, eating steak for free for the next five years or whatever. So uh, just no it, no it comes at you fast, man. Yeah. OK, signing day Wednesday. We'll have a podcast on Thursday with all the news and uh, final analysis of this 2023 Ohio State class. That'll be the Thursday pod. The Tuesday pod should be. Ohio State, it, it, it'll it probably be Tuesday. Ohio State defense versus Georgia offense. The same thing we did on the Friday pod, just reversed. And then we'll work some other stuff in there. And then we're going to be in Atlanta after Christmas. So we appreciate you guys being part of it. 614-350-3315 for the tech subscription, cleveland.com slash OSU. And I hope you guys didn't have trouble over the weekend uploading stuff, but it's our, our podcast provider, which provi- is the platform for our like a lot. It's a Spotify part of the Spotify company. So like it, it's the podcast platform for a lot of places is they're having issues and it screwed up some of our podcasts. So we're hoping it doesn't screw up this one, but if they're anywhere along the line in the past couple of days, you've had issues downloading or getting anything to, to play. We apologize for that, but it's above our pay grade. We, we can't, we can't fix it. We have to wait for them to fix it. We can yell at them. And I yelled at them on Twitter, but hopefully we'll be back to normal where you guys can, get every podcast you want. And by the way, I won't mention it today, but like the, we, I, I'm never, I'm never am cease to be amazed uh, by the tech subscribe, the tech subscribers. Um, the Buckeye talk bowl pool was like 350 people or something. Like it's ridiculous. Let me look and see if I can find it real quick. We appreciate everybody who got in 444 people in a bowl pool where the only prize is to be on this pod. It's very complicated. If you try to like give monetary prizes, you have to like follow rules. And so that's why we give something that is virtually worthless, which is being on this (laughs) Nobody, like the IRS is not coming out. Oh, what is the inherent value? Everybody's given NIL valuation for like social media. What is the valuation of appearing on Buckeye Talk? It's like, it's soul sucking. That's a valuation. So anyway, the winner of that, 444. The winner of that will get to be on here. I'm happy. I hit my two highest ones. My 43-point, my 42-point bull pick I hit. I missed some other ones, but we'll see how that goes. All right. Thanks, as always, to you guys for listening to Buckeye Talk. For Nathan Baird and Stephen Means, I'm Doug Maurice, and that was Buckeye Talk. Buckeye Talk.